Echo's Box Podcast is not meant to be or claiming to be a good place for therapeutic advice. The host is not a licensed therapist and is not offering any services or advice related to mental health in a professional manner. The content discussed on Echo's Box is commonly highly explicit due to the real nature of expressing honest emotions. While we don't mean to offend anyone, the reality is these discussions might be triggering to many people. Out of respect for all, please do not listen if this content isn't right for you, and forgive us if you have a poor experience. Keep your brain healthy. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Echo's Box. You were just listening to the song Isolated by my band Lost in the Mons. And with that, I got a couple quick announcements. So if you're in the Chattanooga, Tennessee area, we are playing a show on July 15th at the Dark Roast Chattanooga. And then on July 22nd, I'm playing as Jones uh, at Summer Wasteland Fest. And Lost in the Mons is one of the headliners at Summer Wasteland Fest as well. So that's July 22nd in Columbus, Georgia at the Cuckoo's Nest and July 15th at the dark roast chattanooga in chattanooga tennessee so yeah come check us out if you're around um let's uh lie and pretend for a second that it is not july 1st at one o'clock in the morning and it is july 30th and i put this episode out on time within my monthly schedule just work with me on that today's episode is episode 24 it's pain it's gonna be unhinged because like i said it's one o'clock in the morning i'm tired as hell um and i just want to talk about a lot of things uh, because I really wasn't sure what I was going to talk about. In fact, I'm going to go ahead and admit uh, a secret magic trick. You guys know I'm a, a ceremonial magician. I'm going to share some magic with you. When you're drained and you don't have any ideas, steal an idea. This is brilliant. So the idea I'm stealing today, uh, I watched a, a Vsauce video last night, actually, and it was about pain. And it was a very good video. Go check it out. It's a recent one um, to the date of posting this anyway. Um yeah, and they just went into like the history of pain and, and a lot of details around what pain is and, and how we came about treating pain as a society. So I want to talk about that. Before I get into that, I drank some lavender tea earlier, and uh, it's one of those yogi teas. It's pretty good. I like those lavender and honey. Um, but I didn't realize they had like, you know how like Dove chocolates have like an inspirational quote in them? It has, I guess, like a yogi type quote in it. Uh and I, I just pondered this for a second, both like in humor and, and, and seriously too. Uh, but I read it and I, I, I laughed at just like, give to others and give to yourself the same attention. And I was like, okay, cool. Thanks. Thanks. My, uh, random lavender tea packet. But the, the wording on that's interesting to me. Instead of saying, give to others the same attention that you would give to yourself. They just word it like they're, they're talking like Yoda and give to others and give to yourself the same attention. I don't know. I thought that was humorous and it's late and I'm bored. Um, but I, I did also reflect on that for a minute and in a little bit more serious tone. Um, what that means, what that implies, like say you're giving yourself too much attention and not giving other people enough attention you become selfish and self-centered in a way. It doesn't have to necessarily be an entirely bad thing, but you are shut off from other people and there are pros and cons to that that are just a natural part of life. And if you give other people too much attention, you're not taking care of yourself. And so the implication here is that there's balance. If you're going to go full bore giving yourself attention, you have to go full bore giving other people attention to balance that out. Because at that point, if you're giving people a million percent and you're not giving yourself a million percent, you're going to burn out. And if you're giving yourself a million percent and not giving anybody else anything, then you're not going to reap the benefits of those relationships. So... If you're going to go a million percent, you have to give yourself a million percent and you have to give everybody else a million percent too. And likewise, if, you, if you're if you only going to give yourself 10%, uh, you got to give other people 10% because you're going to imbalance yourself. If you give people uh, even just 50% and you're only giving yourself 10%, you're not taking your care of yourself and vice versa. You can, I'm kind of saying the same thing over and over and I'm just trying to illustrate it in different ways. Uh, but it's just it's just the implication is that you need balance in the the amount of 
energy that you give yourself and energy you give other people. So thanks, uh, Yogi T. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, but yeah, on to the, the actual topic of today's episode. Like I said, it's unhinged. I've got no script. I'm just pondering ideas and talking them out. I don't know how long this episode will be. It could be 20 minutes. It could be three hours and I don't sleep tonight. We'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, pain. Uh, not only am I stealing this idea because uh, I thought it was a good topic and I watched the video, but because I watched that video, um, it, it made me think about how I feel about pain in my own life because to be honest, I'm in a fuck ton of pain right now, dude. Like the, the kind of a distinction between physical and mental pain no longer exists for me. Um, because it all feels the same. And at some point I feel like that happens when you have enough mental pressure anyway, you start to get physical symptoms. Like immense stress for me makes me forget to eat and it makes me anxious. Well, not eating causes hunger pains, headaches, and all the other uh, physical issues that come with naturally not giving your body the sustenance it needs. And then even if I ate and I get all the physical nutrients, my head's still going to be hurting and I'm still going to be in pain because my brain is just on all the time dealing with all the stress and other issues. So uh, it's interesting how that works. You know, for a long time in history, um, whenever people were experiencing physical pain caused from mental symptoms, often the answer was just freaking suck it up, dude. Like it's, it's just your emotions. Like it's, it, it, you didn't break your arm, keep moving. But the reality is the way the nerves and receptors in our brains actually um decide what is painful is equally influenced by your emotional state as well because we when you're anxious or stressed or sad or angry or any extreme emotion that's unbalanced the uh the emotional response the actual chemical response in your brain that controls those, those emotional levels is heightened and it causes stress and reactions in other parts of your body. And it's different for different emotions and it's different for different people for different emotions. Um, in fact, I thought it was very interesting in the video. They, they also touched on, it's like people, some people, you know, actually get pleasure from pain. You, you think of like sadomasochist people or, or people who have like different sexual kinks where some areas hurt on some people and some don't. Uh, and some are actually extremely pleasurable. It's weird. Our bodies are all extremely different in that way. And it's no different when it comes to the emotional response that you get uh, from different emotional extremes and how your brain handles those. Sometimes it can be overwhelmingly good. Uh, and let's use happiness as an example. You could be overwhelmingly filled with joy. Just it's awesome. You're the, the most happy you've ever been. But then you're actually in pain. Could you imagine that? You know, I, I can't. Im I can't imagine that. Mostly because I don't feel joy because of depression. It's very difficult for me. So I can imagine that if I did feel joy, it would not feel painful. But for f perhaps for somebody, an overwhelming amount of happiness is actually gives them a headache or something. It's just weird that that is totally possible and would make sense in in terms of like brain chemistry and how one individual's body reacts. Now. In general, you can observe trends. So like uh, a good example is anxiety. When somebody is overwhelmingly anxious, there are common symptoms that we have observed and analyzed and tested uh, that most people will experience. So things like anxiety makes stress, it'll give you a headache, you'll lose sleep, uh, you'll feel fatigue. Uh, you'll be frozen, maybe you feel actual physical pain and limbs, tremors, shaking, your body temperature drop, all kinds of, of different physical attributions that are common across the majority of people. But just because it's common doesn't mean it affects all people. Some people could get a rush from anxiety, and that is just an interesting thought to ponder. And it's something that we have seen in society over and over and over again in different variations and different examples. And in fact, that's why it's been so difficult to treat pain. Um, and that's why in the past, uh, when it came to emotional, uh, responses that caused pain, we were like, well, it's just your emotions. You got to move on. There was nothing you could do. Um, and then pharmaceuticals came along and we're like, yeah, we made some drugs. Here's some Xanax that'll calm you down. Uh, here's some, some depression pills that, that might help shock your brain. But in between pharmaceuticals and negligence, uh, 
we had like weird things like lobotomies and uh, shock therapies and things like that for, for different mental pains. And a lot of the times, and this is still true of some pharmaceuticals too, uh, some people would no longer experience the pain and other people would still experience the pain but just not care about it anymore. They weren't thinking about it. And that's a common thing with the lobotomies is, and you see it all the time in like horror films or thrillers where somebody gets lobotomized and uh, they become zombie-like and they're just like staring off. And it's almost like the lobotomy made them crazy or chilled them out. But what it really did is just poked a hole in brain receptor that removed everything they, they felt about like actual care, like feeling responsibility and care for yourself that's gone. So in some cases that did remove the pain, but made them zombie-like in other cases, it didn't remove the pain, made them zombie-like and they didn't care about the pain. So they were just in immense pain all the time and didn't express it. Cause it's like, Oh, I don't give a shit about anything. Cause I'm a zombie now. And, uh, pharmaceuticals kind of took the same route, uh, in some areas and still to, and still do to this day. Um, they can make you feel like a zombie. I remember being on some SSRIs and I just felt like my head was fogged all the time and I, I could not give a fuck about anything. Um, the only downside is, is that, uh, when it came to, um, dealing with depression for me personally, and this is a great example of how different it is in different individuals, those medications either made my depression worse or did nothing. And I still felt my depression immensely. And instead of it being like the lobotomy example, I was like, yeah, I feel depressed, but I don't care. It was, I feel immensely depressed and I'm a zombie. So I just got, I got fucked. It sucked. Uh, but for other people, some of those drugs um, are fantastic. It makes them feel the sunshine again and breathe and feel alive. And it's great. And so it's just really interesting how different bodies and different chemical structures of, of, people's brain your dna all the kind of scientific uh, junk that composes us as people um responds differently to different chemicals and treatments for pain and it's to the point where we've got we've got it down to a methodology but not truly a science so the only science we have is what we can observe as as it is as such science goes in those ways um, so when doctors are diagnosing pain, they have to go with, uh, what they can physically see, what the patient describes, and sometimes just, uh, redirecting the pain even. In fact, I was surprised to learn, uh, and I, I know I'm not getting that entirely right, but it's, it's some combination of pain redirection, pain treatment, and, uh, pain removal like you can you i guess to better explain you can remove the cause the source of the pain you can treat the pain or you can redirect the pain uh and it's interesting that pain redirection is actually a methodology in medical science still it's like i remember watching an episode of house <laughs> like a month ago now and he was um he was, uh, it was the episode where, where he was having to abstain from Vicodin, uh, as part of a bet with Cuddy. And if he, if he did it successfully, he wouldn't have to do clinic duty for like a week or something stupid. Um, and he was in so much pain in his leg that to stave off the pain without needing the pain medication, he broke his fucking fingers. <laughs> and, uh, when, when the, I forget the other Dr. Wilson when Dr. Wilson walks in uh and is like what the fuck did you do the house is like uh pain management and he's like you redirected the pain to focus on your hand so you wouldn't feel it in your leg and it's like yep and it's just like st that's actually a practice I thought it was just like a house meme where house was being edgy and doing anything he could because he was desperate um but no no that's actually a a thing that is part of the methodology of a medical practice to try to redirect pain to another area to see if maybe that alleviates pain from the previous area. And it's interesting because perhaps if in terms of temporary pain, now obviously in my, my Dr. House example, that is chronic pain uh, that is everlasting. That's why he was on the pills in the first place. And that's why the, you have a whole, whole ass fucking show that harps on that so much. But, uh, in terms of real life, a good example might be a temporary pain. 
like perhaps you have a uh, a really uh, bad headache, but if you were to, and it just wouldn't go away, but it, it, it should go away over time. Maybe it was something that was healing or something. Maybe if you prick a pin in your leg, something mild, that will distract you from your headache long enough until it goes away. And then eventually the, the nerve pain should naturally heal and that'll go away too. So you kind of cause yourself double pain in a way, but you're only focused on one. And that's where things get interesting. And that, the reason I'm focusing so much on this instead of the other treatments is because this is the mental um, kind of process of how we actually experience pain. You know, when it comes to the other options for like actual treatments or uh, alleviating pain, those are very physical things. If I give you a drug that is going to change the chemicals in your body to numb pain receptors, whether that's like an injection like lidocaine or a drug like Vicodin uh, or, or uh, an anesthetic of some sort, those things are either putting you to sleep or or changing chemical structures or numbing nerves so that you do not feel pain. And then alleviating pain would be like you have a lump on your nerves that's causing pressure and they just remove the lump and now the pain's gone. But how did you experience the pain to begin with? Well, that's where that, that methodology of pain redirection becomes interesting is because we have observed that the brain is only experienced pain you're only experiencing pain if it's focused on the pain. So that the, it works that way because that's how your nerves are wired. As far as we understand them, your nerves you know, are, are sending signals to your brain to let you know things are bad. And it's been a necessary part of human evolution. It's like when you go touch fire, it's hot. And your brain's like, hey, maybe you shouldn't do that because your fingers, like if I were to... Uh, put my fingers on a stove it's a classic example if I put my fingers on the stove and it's hot my fingers heat up and, and it's like oh this is damaging my nerves it's not that pain it's not that oh I put my fingers down and it hurts there's an actual reason you put your fingers down and your fingers are able to sense hey these are killing my my cells this is this is killing my nerve endings so I'm going to send an emergency message to the brain so it goes ow and makes me pull my hand away so I stop killing the cells on my body that is that is how that works so if you didn't have the the messages sent to your brain to let you know that something was bad that something was hurting you you would not experience pain and this this happens sometimes for people um sometimes it, but there's an interesting caveat of this sometimes uh say your nerve endings are severed Maybe you lose a limb or maybe it's just like nerves on your finger or uh, anything like that. This is, this is how uh, paralyzation works essentially is you can no longer feel anything. So if somebody were to shove a knife in your leg and you were paralyzed in your leg, the, the nerves aren't going to send those messages to your brain to let you know, oh shit, dude, you got stabbed. But there is another interesting phenomenon with pain uh, that's phantom pain. And this is in a similar way, like you could lose your arm and then they could cauterize your nerve endings. And in theory, you should never feel anything in those nerve endings. Maybe up your arm you would, but if somebody poked you on the bottom where maybe it was severed and you lost your arm, you shouldn't feel pain. But phantom pain is a thing that exists where those nerve endings don't necessarily die all the way or any other phenomenon happens and you experience pain in your hand that you don't have that's wild because all the the nerves in the receptors know at the end of that stream is uh i have some kind of damage or problem going on here and when maybe you move your hand a certain way or maybe it's like a memory or muscle response issue it could be any number of things but whenever that happens it it causes those nerve endings to send that emergency message to your brain. It's like, ah, something's stabbing my hand. Wait a fucking second. I don't have a hand. You know? Um, so it's just very interesting that both an observation of pain or sorry, both an experience of pain and 
a lack of experiencing pain is all still based on those those nerve receptors. That's kind of what it boils down to. Um, and it's the same thing when it comes to the emotional pain, right? And it's what I was just talking about towards the beginning of the episode. It's that whenever you're experiencing a heightened emotion that causes you pain, it's because a chemical reaction is happening in your brain. And your brain has lots of nerves in it. Has It's the main place that's rescinding, uh, receiving and sending those nodes. It's the one making those executive decisions and those executive functions to, to, to define that it is in pain. So if a mental issue is occurring, of course you're going to feel pain and arguably you'll feel pain faster. Um, I have a theory. I haven't researched this very much, but just as a patient, um, I have frequent panic attacks, right? And they come on very fast and suddenly for me. Uh, that's how they work for me. I'm sure they're different for, for other people. In fact, I know a lot of other people who experience panic attacks differently than I do. But for me, I can begin to feel anxious and I can feel myself get anxious. And if it doesn't stop, well, I'm going to have a panic attack at some point. And it, once the panic attack happens, it, it happens, man. And it's the, those chemicals are like right there. They're in the same space. They're all within the brain. And so arguably... Um, a pain from a mental issue happens almost quicker, maybe. Like I said, as a theory, maybe it happens quicker than a physical pain. Like maybe once a chemical spike reaches a level where it's high enough to cause you a physical issue, maybe it would reach your brain faster than if you picked yourself with a print or touched, touched a hot stove. I'm sure it's like milli 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 minuscule i don't even know the, the the smallest unit of measurement word but like a an atomic measurement of difference in like the one billionth decimal place of a second in terms of response time on which one's faster but um at the same time it's just like something i pondered for a minute like I said, this, this episode's unhinged, so if you're still rocking with me, hell yeah, let's keep going, because I got a couple more thoughts. Um, so, with this, understanding how pain works, but not really understanding how to manage pain is where we get into talking about pain management. And there's a bit in that Vsauce video that occurred um where he like extinguished a match with his two fingers. And then he showed like some episode of some old TV show where the characters were exchanging things uh, and they're like in the military or something. And one of the guys does the same trick. He puts the match out with his fingers and doesn't even wince. And then when the other guy goes to do it, he's like, oh shit, how did you do that? And I think I can't, I'm going to butcher the quote, but I think it was something along the lines of, uh, it's, uh, I, I didn't pay attention to the pain is how I did it. And there's a lot of truth in that. Um, I know personally for me, when it comes to pain management, it a lot of it revolves around focus. And that's something that personally, my spiritual practice and, and also being uh, heavily involved in meditation has given me the the skill set to really focus and redirect what it is I'm focused on, where my attention sits. And I can I can sit it to anything however I want. Now, it may not be instant, uh, and it may even be difficult. Like, if my leg is broken, <laughs> I'm sure that that hurts. I, I've had a broken leg once in my life, um, and it did hurt. I remember how much it hurt, but over time, it, it didn't hurt so much. But... Um, had I been able to sit down and focus at least for periods of a time where I was able to hone in my attention on literally anything else, even if it was just into the void or focused on a singular object or whatever practice you want to, you want to throw at it, um, it, that would have at least alleviated me experiencing the pain. Now the pain is still there. I have a damaged limb the pain is going to come back if my attention drifts back to the body because the body is damaged and those nerves are firing off. That is a chemical response. My brain is supposed to do that. But I also am in control 
of these processes in my brain, at least to some degree, I'm able to also choose what messages are sent consciously. That's an interesting uh, phenomena that we can also observe. And that's the whole put it. It's the same thing. I'm, I'm speaking to it in terms of meditation and spirituality, but it's the, it's the same concept because these things are the same. It's the same concept as just putting out the match with your fingers and not giving a shit. You, you just do it. I mean, like I wasn't paying attention to the pain, so it didn't hurt. Maybe it felt warm. Maybe it'll sting a little bit later because you got a burn and you damage the cells. <laughs> but in the moment, you can just do it and do it blank face and not have an ouchy reaction. And it's the same thing as if I were to redirect my attention and redirect my focus. So you can actually alleviate and manage your pain in that way. And it is super effective. It just may not necessarily be permanent. It, and that's where it depends on what kind of pain is it, right? If my leg's broken... That's a, it's not a permanent pain, but it's also not going to be gone by the time I, I don't know, come out of a meditative state or whatever it is I'm doing to direct my attention. Whenever my attention comes back to just being normal, I'm going to experience the pain again until the leg is healed. But maybe if I'm having a panic attack, if I'm able to put my attention on anything let's say we're doing um uh what's a good uh simple simple meditation mindful just the basic mindfulness practice is good but i really like um zazen meditation in zazen you sit in a certain position with your your knees you, you basically get on your knees and and rest on your feet in the most uh, basic form of this. I have a nice little meditation bench that makes it slightly more comfortable, but you sit up with your back straight and your palms out in a certain way. And you focus on whatever is directly in front of you, your central point of focus, and all your attention is there. And you sit there for as long as possible. Um, and that is the meditation. It's the whole thing. And it's just to direct your focus and attention on whatever it is that is directly in front of you. You can put a candle in front of you. You can put any kind of object and make it easier. But uh, it's literally, it can just be a spot on the floor. Um, and that is a very effective way to redirect attention for a long period of time. And uh, I, I really like that. And that's something that I practiced for a very long time um, while while adjusting to ceremonial magic uh just to kind of harden the meditation skills that that are required for ceremonial magic but that is it's, it's a powerful thing but like i said in the context of a physical uh issue you're not you once you come back it's still going to be there but maybe for a mental issue it'll go away so maybe i'm having really bad anxiety if I go sit down and do some Zazen, it'll be relieving. Well, that kind of seems uh, stereotypical, right? If you're stressed or anxious, people recommend meditation. But that's why, right? That is, it's the redirection. It helps. Um, but what if you're angry? What if you're sad? What if you're happy? Think about all of the, the emotions. This would have the same impact on on any emotion as it does on the emotions that people seek to uh, manage pain for. So it's not just anxiety and stress. It's it's all of it. It can do all of it. And that is just one method. Meditation is not the only way to do it. Uh, and, and I think a, the great example still is the, I can put out a match with my fingers. If you can just redirect your focus on the spot, it, it does the same thing as well. Um, it doesn't matter how you direct your attention to manage your pain. It's just that you find a way that you're able to do it. And meditation is just an established practice where the whole point is redirecting your focus. And as a byproduct, it can be used to manage pain. Um, that is not the point. It's not the purpose. But it just so happens that the goal of meditation offers those benefits as well. And I find that very interesting. However, there's still a problem. If I'm having a goddamn panic attack, how you expect me to fucking meditate, dude? Like what? No. And and look, I I'm I get that 
I'm gonna preface this by by emphasizing my practice. I've been doing this for like I don't know, maybe six years now. Time is flying by. I'm losing track to the point where like I'm slowly exceeding the things that I need to learn within my own personal path and journey, which is fantastic. I still have a long ways to go. I'm not done. But I mean, this is a whole lifelong thing. You never finish. But in terms of skills, uh, I'll learn new things. I'll learn new tricks. But skills that I need to fulfill my will and my practice pretty much at the peak. Um and it's taken years. It's no easy feat. But I, I want to stress that because I am still a fucking human being. And if I'm going to have a panic attack, it doesn't matter how much fucking hippy dippy bullshit that I do. I'm not going to be able to sit down and meditate right away. I have to calm down first. And that's the, the same degree mentally as it would be as if I just broke my fucking leg, right? If I just broke my leg and you break my toe to redirect the pain or stab me somewhere or, or whatever it is to do pain redirection as the pain management technique. No, I just hurt double now. It doesn't work that way. Um, it, you would have to call the thing. The thing with pain redirection is that you have to invoke a greater or at least equal stimuli and if you're going to cause yourself more pain that's that's just a bad idea now when it comes to mental pain you actually don't have to invoke a a greater negative stimuli um, because that attention redirection that attention focus is all you need and you could argue the same thing for the physical pain because like I just described, if my leg is broken and it's just kind of like throbbing, if I do uh, a meditation, during the meditation, I'm not going to be experiencing the pain in my leg. But if I just broke my leg and I'm going to sit there and meditate, uh, it's going to be difficult. Now, I'm not saying it won't work. It will. If, if you can actually do that, if you can have a broken bone and in the next 10 seconds redirect your focus and not think about the pain and not experience the pain and be experiencing something else and override those messages that are firing off rapidly from your nerves then fantastic uh, that is a very difficult skill to develop there are uh some uh at least fables if not um maybe even recorded people in history that are at least claim to be able to do things like that. I don't know how factual they are. That's why I preface it with all that weird, uh, vague verbiage. Uh, but that I think it's theoretically possible. It makes sense. If you can achieve that, then it should be possible. It just seems very difficult to do. Um, but it's not practical for the average person, I don't think. And, at the same time, if I, if you're having a panic attack or some something uh, mentally severe of the sort, uh, it's the same deal. Like if you can immediately be like, ah, I'm freaking out, and then direct your focus and not be freaking out anymore, that's fantastic. Um, I know for me personally, it doesn't work that way. You can you can try to tell me to calm down from a panic attack all day. I either need to fucking take my Xanax or I need to um, breathe for a second. And the interesting thing, though, I say that a lot, realizing that now. This is really unhinged. <laughs> um, I'm losing my train of thought now. Okay, so back to my point um, is that we, we may not be able to redirect pain immediately, but you can kind of do it in stages. So let's say I am having a panic attack. I don't have medicine to help. Um, and things are very stressful. Well, maybe I can't just start redirecting my focus right away, no matter what technique I'm using, but I can do things to slowly calm down so that I may begin to redirect. And one of those things that's common, it's taught, and it's still taught to this day in the military as like a stress management technique and a stabilization technique is the fourfold breath. 
to where it's and some some people change it up a little where they'll do like a a three-fold or a six-fold uh i've heard the military call it different things but it's fundamentally the same goal and the same purpose and in ceremonial magic and other uh spiritual traditions it is always the fourfold breath um as far as i know pretty sure don't hold me to that but i'm i'm 99 sure it's always the fourfold breath but um i know it isn't ceremonial magic but my point is that um this technique is just a focused breathing to regulate your body and as a byproduct your your as you regulate your airflow airflow contributes to blood flow uh, which contributes to your heart rate, which contributes to calming yourself down. You know, when, when you're having a stress or panic attack, uh, your heart rate is elevated, your blood's flowing a little bit faster, your brain's firing off. Um, and if you can just regulate your breathing, you can actually slow those things down a little bit. And the longer you do it, the more rhythmic you go. You basically reset your body's rhythm by breathing in at a, in, at a steady rate. And it's not just breathing in and out. It has to be specifically you breathe in for a certain count, you hold for a certain count, you exhale for a certain count, and you hold for a certain count. You do that over and over again, and that begins to regulate you. So while you may not be able to immediately redirect your focus, if you can at least do something like that, that's not the only technique that exists, but it's the only one I'm proficient in and can speak to. Um, Once you begin to do that, then... Maybe you can calm yourself down enough to do a full pain mitigation, a, a redirection technique of some sort. So, yeah, all of that's just very, very interesting to me because I, I do a lot of these things in my daily life to manage my pain because I am in a lot of pain. I'm in constant fatigue from the insomnia. I'm in constant mental pain and pressure from the anxiety and the depression. And it sucks, but I do manage it. I get through my day to day. And sometimes I do need, you know, actual medicine. And that is part of part of the pain management. But, you know, I have my spiritual practice too. I have the skills from the practice that I use day to day when I'm not doing hippy dippy bullshit. I can still use those skills practically going through my life and, and redirect my focus. And it's interesting that I've never thought about that as pain management. Because that is other than, you know, psychiatric help and, and and therapy and pills and all that kind of stuff other than medicine like practical medicine um the rest of the stuff was never meant to manage my pain that's not why i did it but because of the nature of what it does it helps manage the pain anyway so i've been managing my pain as a byproduct of doing specific practices and developing s- specific skills for years now and I can attribute that to why I am successful day to day uh, in my growth you know I didn't grow nearly as much as I did in all my years prior to learning these new skills as I did now Um, and that's because it helped me manage the pain I was in and in the past I would just go until I crashed I would be in pain all the time but wouldn't even know I was, it was almost like I was a lobotomy patient, but it, you know, I was actually redirecting pain in a different way in the past. In the past, I would redirect pain by, uh, focusing on different things, by spending all my time and attention on different ideas, activities, uh, whether that was food, staying up all night, playing games, staying up all night, learning how to program, writing projects, developing software, studying for certifications, playing CTFs. Uh, it didn't matter what it was. I was doing just a lot of something to overstimulate myself to redirect pain and ignore it instead of treating it. So now instead of redirecting and ignoring, I'm redirecting and managing. So I actively still acknowledge my pain. I'm experiencing my pain, but I'm also managing it. So it's not just got a chokehold on my life. And that's kind of the last point I think I want to make in all this before we wrap up is that it's it's a question of is pain necessary in many cultures i think specifically uh the buddha says something along the lines of that uh life 
and is ne is necessary uh, to have pain or something like that. I'm butchering that quote. Um, I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna look that up real quick. We on the fly. We on the fly out here doing uh, our podcast today. So Buddha pain quote. I want to get this right. I want to disrespect the Buddha. Very wise Buddha. There's the pain is inevitable, suffering is optional. That's a good one, but that's not what I'm looking for. Uh... Oh, maybe that is it. Pain in life is inevitable, but suffering is not. Um, and there's another quote that is more along the lines of uh, that life cannot exist without pain. Um, I can't remember what that is, and that's probably not the verbatim quote, but the idea that's being conveyed there is, is that if you are going to be alive, pain is a necessary experience. And if you are going to be in pain, that just tells you that you're alive. That is the relationship between those ideas. But I think the question of is pain necessary is actually a pretty valid one. With all that I've expressed, if it is possible to manage pain, could it be possible to alleviate pain entirely, to remove pain entirely? Certainly, in some cases, we've demonstrated that that is true. Um, if there, it, it's it's with a side effect. Like if you're paralyzed, you will not experience physical pain in some areas, but it's very isolated, right? Um, you're just isolating it down to one variable, the physical. So if your leg is paralyzed, you can't feel physical pain in your leg. That's great. But what about the mental uh, uh, strain on your brain now that you don't have a working leg? That also causes pain, right? So it's it's not that simple. But I am trying to isolate an example where pain is removed, technically speaking. It is removed from the leg. It is no longer there. Um, I don't think paralysis is the right answer there, but just trying to... to kind of pontificate on this idea of questioning the necessity of pain, of challenging that ancient notion that has been philosophized, I guess, for uh, centuries now. Um, I think pain, the relationship between pain and being alive makes sense. So like if you are in pain, it is indicative of you being alive because you are experiencing pain and there in order to experience pain as far as we know you have to be alive we we don't know at least on this earth anyway uh whether or not there is anything outside of that um and say there is say say you're like me and you you think that there's some kind of pathway where you'll ascend back to the source and maybe there's some in-between stuff and there's infinite in my personal belief there's infinite possibilities for things so it becomes very complex and it kind of hurts my brain to think about the philosophy and theologies there sometimes so I tend not to do that and just focus on the work but um the point being is that you we don't know until we experience it after we're dead so and that's a problem for later. As far as we know now, as people, you're a person, you're listening to this podcast, you're alive. It's pretty good. I'm a person. I'm speaking. If I were to experience pain right now, if you were to experience pain right now, that would tell you, hey, I'm alive. Suck. That's a sucky wake up. Uh, but you're alive. You're experiencing pain. It's, it's a good physical indicator. I think that relationship's valid. I'm not so sure that life needs pain. Life can benefit from pain because pain helps uh, kind of speed up evolution in some ways. We learn not to touch the hot fire. We stop burning ourselves alive and don't use fire for things that are risky. And we learn to control the processes and do research. We get more scientific with it and chain of evolution occurs and that's like in a nutshell uh, it takes a long time for sure we have to make mistakes and it is sometimes at the expense of lives you know eating the poison berries until we have a record of which ones are bad and which ones aren't took our entire existence 
and we're still not done. I'm sure there's new plants that we find from time to time. It's, it's insane. Um, but the point being that pain in those respects does cause progress. But that's not the only method for progress. As you become sophisticated, as you learn, and as we understand pain, I think it may have been, I think life needed pain at some point, but I guess my my personal question now to the universe is, will there be a point where life doesn't need pain? I'm not so sure that we're there yet, but as we begin to understand pain better and manage pain better, perhaps there is a pathway where pain is no longer necessary to life. Life doesn't need the pain. Pain it would just be a thing that lets you know you're alive. It's an interesting thought. I don't think there's uh, too much uh, to work with there. It's just me thinking out loud, but... It's, that's what this episode was today. I'm just firing thoughts at you, man. So just think about it. Think about it. Maybe the boot is wrong. <laughs> uh, but realistically, at least for the foreseeable future, I think a more emotional pain experience will be necessary for us to evolve further as humans because i think we're we're learn we've learned a lot and maybe are reaching we certainly have work to do like i said earlier the medical sciences aren't aren't as robust as they could possibly be but they're they're very robust still um when it comes to physical pain so i think the next hurdle as we we potentially approach solving physical pain is that we need still will be dependent on emotional pain and mental pain to progress into the next state of our improvement and progress as human beings because that is more complex we don't have a good way to treat mental and emotional pain consistently even though and we arguably don't have a way to treat physical pain consistently. It's, I would, I would say it's arguable because it's certainly significantly more consistent than treating mental pain, but there are cases where there are some more complex physical pains that we don't have answers for, or we don't have, uh, maybe not answers for, maybe we can find answers for them, but we don't have like a solution, like, uh, like, um, a methodology, be like, Oh, well, if somebody has cancer and three nerve split and and uh, they need this kind of surgery and this and this and this, that's that's complex. That's a very complex physical pain that doesn't you can't throw Tylenol at it, right? Um, and I I think those kind of things are, are the next physical hurdle. But beyond that, um, I think the mental and the emotional things are are more complex because physical is finite but the mental and emotional states could change forever i mean they are finite too technically speaking they, they exist until you die um but if we're talking about the context of your life they are infinitely complex within the span of your life at least at minimum uh, and using only what we know that that is all i can really say for sure I think that'll be the next hurdle. I think we have to experience more complex emotional pain and understand it more and figure out how to to adapt, not just to manage it and treat it, but just like, like that's important too, but I'm thinking more along the lines of the hand touching the, the fire and fire's hot, so don't touch fire kind of thing. We need to stop acting and doing certain ways and feeling certain ways or experience more of certain things and do more of certain things all the spectrum of those emotions to evolve and adapt and become better more evolved human beings in terms of pain and I, I don't even want to say the word better i don't think it's necessarily better i, I think that's a uh, subjective 
Um, and I don't necessarily even believe that myself, that, that it would be better. I don't really know what I think, but I do think it would be what is necessary to, um, decouple life from pain. That is a huge step. Uh, I think, I think that will take many thousands of years to both complete the physical side of things and even inch closer to resolving the emotional complexities. Both of those would need to be fully experienced and learned from before we can decouple pain from life. I think that's what I think. I think. Maybe I'll think something different tomorrow. Maybe I'll forget everything I just said and not care about this anymore and never talk about it again. But, hey, if you're listening, it's here for you. And uh, that's all I got. So thanks for checking out the podcast. Remember, I did post this episode on time. Future Casey here. Uh, I know I said you're, you're in July, not June. You, you actually are in July. Uh, but in our in our pretend fairy tale here, I'm saying I posted in June. This is how tired I was. So yeah, for the sake of this episode, I posted on time in June. Continue. We are in July. Even though the date says we're in June, we're in July. While you're listening to this episode, this whole time you've been in July. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, go fucking see my band and me play show. This is my first show playing my my dark, all pop stuff and weird pop shit that I do. Uh, it's my first show playing live, so come see me. And if you like the pop punk stuff, you know, come do that. I'm going to be having a blast. Don't miss out. See y'all there.